This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Okay, good morning, good morning, good afternoon, wherever the case may be. You are here live with Dr. Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you, we're here for your pets, we're here to, to talk about anything you want, and as you know, you can easily reach me at 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. And um, if anything's on your mind, we can talk about it. I just got back from the Fetch 3 DBM 360 conference uh, in San Diego, I spoke for the uh, five hours, so if my voice is cracked, well, it always is pretty hoarse, but five hours in a row sitting and talking, that's, uh, that's a lot of talk. Even for me, that's a lot of talking, and you guys know I like to talk. So um, just would like to start the show as I always do. I kind of perused the news, the AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association Smart Brief, and the American Animal Hospital Association News Stat, and I like those sources, and it's just kind of stuff going on. Stuff that keeps you abreast. Um, this is a lot of stuff that you probably don't have access to, don't read. And I think some of the stuff is interesting, sometimes can be helpful, ho- hopefully always helpful, but no, some of the stuff is just, wow, <laughs> there's one story in here that that's, uh, that's quite a surprise. So um, again, if you want to break in, chime in, call me 877-385-8882, and otherwise we'll talk a little bit. And I always have a subject at the second half of the show, and that subject is going to be diets. There was a, a few stuff coming out uh, about foods and diets and, and diet practices that we do, and I, I really think it's uh, it's worth talking about. So uh, maybe I'll strike a nerve and you'll wanna join me or maybe make a call or kind of a little personal experience. Just know, when you have a personal experience of anything, don't be shy because a lot of times we can learn. I, even when I had my, I was talking, I was speaking to a number of veterinarians at the, the veterinary conference, and I always tell them, I said, guys, don't be shy. If you have something to say, say it, because I often, when I speak, I can learn as much from my audience, as I hope my audience will learn from me, because there's not a one way. We're not a one size fits all in veterinary medicine. Every single pet is different and different practices are really, really good. I mean, I remember years ago, I I was working with a board certified surgeon. He was a phenomenal surgeon. And as we were getting new anesthetic agents in and and changing our anesthetic machines, he was very happy using one of the older anesthesia machines. And, And when I asked him why, he says, because I've been using it for years. I know exactly how to monitor the animals, exactly how it works. I have not had a problem. Why would I want to switch to something new where there might be a new learning curve and it might be dangerous? So, you, so understand, yes, new things are good, but uh, there are more than one right way to do things. So uh, anyway, here we go. Another recall, surprise, surprise. But this one is not because of raw. It is not because of a grain-free and, and, and a cardiomyopathy or some sort of heart disease. Smuckers, you know, the jelly people. Um, you know, it's interesting how so many food companies own pet food companies. Now, you think of uh, Purina as Nestle, Carnation, all right? You look at um, Pedigree and, and Royal Canin and, and Iams and all those things. They're owned by Mars. So it's called Special Kitty Mix Grill Dinner Pate. And they were very nonspecific. It just said some... And if you have an open can, don't even feed the rest of it. You may have gotten lucky. So once again, it's called Special Kitty Mixed Grill Dinner Pate by Smuckers. Uh, You might want to um, contact them if you have that food and just be very, very careful with your cats. Here's a note from the American Vet Med Association. If you're thinking about taking your pets with you on vacation on a plane, 
you really want to be really sure, A, that they, what they're finding is a lot of these animals get stressed. So if it's for the first time, understand there may be some stress involved. So if you have a seasoned flyer, if you've taken your pet before with you and you know they do great, that's fantastic. But just know that there are some problems and some of them are just make sure to have the arrangements made in advance because there are now, because of the bad press many of the airlines have gotten, they are being extra careful, extra careful as far as the size of the dog, the breed. Certain dogs are not going to allow on. Brachycephalic breeds, breeds with the pushed-in faces, breeds that have trouble breathing might be uh, excluded from the plane. So it's uh, age and um, also restrictions on how many pets will be allowed in the cabin. So if you have uh, three cabins, like maybe first business and, and coach or whatever, may only allow one or two per cabin. Now, often service dogs are excluded from that count. But then again, you want to make sure that your service dogs are very comfortable. Typically, um, people will get the bulkhead, you know, the very front. But interestingly, recently I was talking to a guy who um, had a, he was shipping his dog. He actually bought a seat for his dog. And the flight attendant, even though he bought the seat, still would not let the dog on the seat, even on a blanket, even on a, a pad, a bed that he had. And he was shocked because he's flown this dog many times, buys a seat for the dog all the time and never, never had this issue. And when he started questioning, he said the flight attendant got really uppity. Excuse me, would you like me to call the authorities about this? And he goes, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just telling you, I've done this before, but that's kind of bad news. So just as bad as the flight attendant putting that little French bulldog puppy on Delta Airlines up ahead on the overhead. And look how that turned out, that poor little guy. So not, flight attendants don't always, they're not that smart all the time. They don't know some rules themselves. And they don't want to ask. And they have this power. I mean, the guy was very nice. And I met him. He's a super nice guy. And uh, they would have nothing to do. His dog had to stay on the floor. So uh, that's pretty lousy. All right. Regulations and horse racing. That is a good one. And I was uh, just at this conference and we were having some discussions. Do you know that in Florida, greyhound racing is now banned in the state of Florida? And the state of Florida what was one of the biggest states for this. They had several tracks. And now it's banned. You know, again, I'm not going to get into the politically correctness of these practices. I'm not supporting. I'm not against anything like a like PETA, where I know they would they hate any of this. But it's been around for a long time. But I will say that we need to do a better job for safety, especially here in California, where I think 27 horses now have either had would well had to be killed, euthanized. I hate the word killed, euthanized at the track because of severe, severe leg injuries. And there are a lot of theories what's going on. And, uh, you know, there's some things that I'm, I'm not big in the horse racing world at all, so I don't know, but there are issues. Anyway, the Horse Racing Association, is called the California Horse Racing Board, basically has urged California lawmakers to make some changes, some more regular, stricter regulations when it comes to horses, of course, due to the recent track deaths. Um, some of them are, they sent this to California governor and state legislators. So, you know, this really, really, even though horse racing, whether you like it, you don't like it, you're for it, you're not, that's not the point. The point is that they are very, very careful about their horses. So uh, some of the changes are they are, want that there should be direct medical record access. The jockeys and the track veterinarians should have access to medical records and medical histories that they have to release the results, of, especially if drug tests are positive. It has to be released to everybody. A ban on shockwave therapy, a ban on corticosteroids, and prohibit racing on weather-sealed tracks. And so these are all the things that they are, and there, there are other things that have been done that I understand from some people in the horse world 
that are really not good things to do. And it's given what it does is there's some medications they're using. It's kind of like a pain numbing agents. So what happens is this. When a dog gets some sort of even a hairline fracture or some sort of injury on a foot and they, they notice it, but there's nothing broken, put that in quotes, broken. So they give them this medication that will kind of numb the area so they can still race. But the problem is there is a problem with that leg. And they should be taken off the track. They shouldn't be not be allowed to race. But instead, they give them something that sort of numbs all the pain. So they keep running and running on a leg that's already compromised. And of course, they get this major, major fracture. And you know, when it comes to horses, they unfortunately have to be put to sleep. So these are little things that they have to stop. They have to control. This was an interesting story. How big a litter have you ever heard of in dogs? Now, I know I, I had about a year ago, not even a full year, maybe 10 months ago, a guy comes in, I have a picture of me on Instagram with eight French bulldog puppies, naturally born, no C-section. My hunch is they were naturally born because they were small enough that it was, as, as eight of them, they were able to fit through the birth canal. Uh, so here's this, a Great Dane, an American bulldog cross. Now, as you know, Great Danes are pretty big, as are American bulldogs. I don't know which was the male, which was the female, but I, will know, I do know this, that this dog, this mix, gave birth to 21 puppies. Can you imagine 21 puppies all at once? Can you imagine trying to nurse 21 puppies? That is insane. I think that might be a record. I don't know, but uh, that that's a lot of work. This poor mom, 21 pups. Uh, here's, here's another story that I thought was uh, kind of convincing. Can you imagine driving on the road and you hit a dog? Yeah, you don't hit it badly, but you feel so guilty. You're a good Samaritan. No one's around. So you pick the dog up, you put it in your car, and you want to run it to the veterinarian. Well, on his way, he stops at his work to tell them that he was going to take this dog to the vet. And one of his co-workers looks into the back seat, sees his dog and says, that's not a dog. That's a coyote. So this guy hits a coyote and uh, picks him up, puts him in his car. And um, that's a heck of a surprise. I think that's pretty funny. What else do we got? Okay. Also, here's an interesting one. I'm going to talk more about holidays probably next week. Uh, yeah, it'll have to be next week because then we're really right on top of them. But anyway, we want to be wary of holiday treats. And uh, we're going to get to holiday foods next week. But there's holiday treats because some can be very, very dangerous. And one of the things, two of them that were highlighted in this story, well, number one was rawhide treats. And we've talked about rawhide before. And there are some alternatives. But uh, and also some of the chews that you might want to give your dogs. And why? Why choose? Well, because the rawhide treats and the chews, they basically can cause some choking and some blockages, intestinal blockages. So here's how it works with the, with the rawhide. Now, rawhide, look, I'm not totally opposed to rawhide. I am opposed to rawhide being given to a dog and dog left alone for several hours with the rawhide treat. Rawhide treats, first of all, they like them. They really do love to chew them apart, etc. They are inexpensive. Some of these other treats are very expensive. These toys are very expensive. So I have a caution, though. If you're going to give a rawhide treat, which dogs love to break apart, you gotta be there with your dog. And you'll notice that, now, especially the classic one is the big bone with the two knots on the end. Once they start softening that rawhide too much, where it can open, start to peel into large pieces or larger pieces, then it's a danger. Then we have to remove it and give another one. It was inexpensive, they're pretty cheap. That's also why another popular treat is a pressed rawhide. Pressed rawhide, they take the rawhide, chop it up in little teeny pieces. They, I don't know how they make it, but they press it together, almost like pressed wood versus whole wood. 
So what happens is, is that as they're breaking it up and as they're chewing the little teeny, teeny pieces, they, they can swallow them. They're no problem. So there are also other alternatives. There are bones. One company is called Smartbone, and um, the other one is Dreambone. Uh, they're available, and they are edible. They look like rawhide. They feel like rawhide. They, to the dog, they kind of taste. They have the same feel as they're chewing them apart, rawhide, but they're made out of like chicken. So um, they are actually, they can eat the whole thing, and it's very, very safe. So look into it. There's a, Now, the other thing that was had a problem at the beginning were greenies. I love greenies, and greenies, dogs love greenies. But there was a problem, and interestingly, as they researched this, even though, unfortunately, Greenies got some bad press for this, and they didn't deserve it. Uh, it was because when there were a couple of cases, and I had one such case, a French bulldog, the greenie was stuck right at the inflow tract, the cardiac portion of the stomach called the cardia, and the peristalsis waves were sitting there, and the greenie was stuck right. It could not get into the stomach, and it was stuck. You, it was so bad that you couldn't go down the esophagus with a scope and grab it because it was so tight against the stomach wall. So instead, what we did was we pushed it into the stomach, and it had already torn a little bit of the esophagus. We then did surgery to remove it from the stomach. We put in a stomach tube so he wouldn't be able to, we didn't want him to eat for several, several days, like six, seven days, so he could actually, the esophagus could heal. You don't want to do esophageal surgery because it often ends up in disaster. So whatever you can do to avoid it. So this way, by putting nothing into his esophagus for the six days, it healed. And then we pulled the stomach tube and we're feeding him directly through a tube. So um, anyway, it turns out that when these problems with greenies happened. It was because people were buying the wrong size for the dog. They're either buying too small or they're buying bigger ones. They would save money and then breaking it up into smaller pieces. And that's not the way you go. Whenever you're looking at a treat, try to buy a treat that is appropriate for your dog. Don't try to cut corners. Don't try to just get the right size. Anyway, now greenies dissolves. So if it's sitting in fluid, body fluid, it's going to break apart on its own. So now they're as really okay as they were. They're even better. So, uh, but that's the kind of chew, but other chews, I love the word chews, because when you think of chews, you sit there and you kind of picture your dog chewing. Well, guess what? They don't. Some of these dogs, they'll grab it to you. I give my dog's bones, they swallow them whole. It's crazy. You got to break it up. I say, guys, slow down, slow down. Or I, I keep hold on it on one end of it. So as they're, they, they try to pull away from me, so they can maybe swallow the whole thing whole, but I don't let them and they actually chew it. One more interesting story that I read before we go into break. And uh, that is, this is really cool. Young orchids are more likely to survive if their grandma is alive. And they know that male orchids live to about 50 years and, but, and they can reproduce until the very end. But females, they go into menopause around 40, but they can live up to 90 years. So that is really cool. So obviously they're using a lot of this males. Remember whales are mammals. So, you know, find out what about women, uh, why the lifespan of women longer, they go into menopause, what's going on here? But anyway, I think that's pretty interesting. Anyway, don't go away. When we come back. We're going to talk about some dangers, some issues that we all make at home when we feed our animals that can be very dangerous. We'll be back after these reports. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Suds shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E oh. dot com. 
Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Again, if you have any questions, you want to reach me, you want to ask me something, you want to contribute some fun facts, reach me, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. So this came up. And again, this is really nothing new for us. We've talked about it here on the show over time. And um, But, you know, it's really, it's, it's coming to the forefront. And I'm knowing more about it now because I'm working with a company to produce a safe food and you, when you talk to the nutritionists, they are so, they echo the same problems. So number one, be cautious with homemade diets, all right, and feeding behaviors. And here's the problem with homemade diets, that there's a lot of work that goes into nutritionally balancing out the diets, the nutrients, the vitamins, the minerals. And you can do a great job with, yes, coming up with a good source of protein. You can do a great job with coming up with a good source of carbs, right? You can do a good job with coming up with the right amount and, and the safe thing of fat. But that does not guarantee nutritionally sound foods for our domesticated pets today to handle, to make sure they have enough. Now, there are some websites and some of the universities. I know UC Davis did it. They still may do. And for fee, you can work with them where they can help you make a diet develop a diet that you can feed at home with the right amount and sources of the protein and carbs and fats, et cetera, and how to balance out nutrition as far as vitamins and minerals of the meats and the foods that you're feeding, what is lacking, and then to make sure that we, we supplement it with something that is necessary and at the right amounts. And remember, some vitamins like A, D, E, and K are fat-soluble, and fat-soluble vitamins, you have to be more careful with them because you can get a toxicity by having too much, of course, and of course, too little. Whereas water-soluble vitamins, which are B vitamins and C vitamins, typically are okay. I mean, what happens is that if you get too much, they're just urinated out. And there's, there's some vitamins, like a B12, that you, you don't always see in a lot of foods, so we have to supplement anyway. So um, here's some of the things. So their cautions are like this. Number one, of course, homemade. Speak to your veterinarian. There are, interestingly, some board-certified veterinary nutritionists that do consult. What does that mean? This is a veterinarian who actually went to vet school four years and then does a residency in nutrition, has to sit for their boards, and then they are then certified by uh, through the American Veterinary Medical Association by the American College of Veterinary Nutrition. So you'll see an ACVN. It'll say DIPL, a diplomat of the ACVN, American College of Veterinary Nutrition, after their names. So DVM or VMD, depending on where they went to school, and then a diplomat, a D, ACVN. And there are, as I said, there's some out there. In fact, if you are looking into a new food, you know, what's what's popular now? These foods that deliver to your home, they come in containers, they look like pâtés, they look really cool. Some of them are really good. There's one called Pet Plate that I've used. I know my niece uses it with her dog. And right there on the label, on the website, they're working with a diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Nutrition, Dr. Renee Speaker. And so when you see that, you can be rest assured that you're getting a safe product. But again, that is very, very important. So as far as frequent treats and table scraps, that's another biggie that they're, a lot of the nutritionists, a lot of the experts are trying to have you be very cautious. First of all, treats are good to a degree. And now there are some trainers that don't like training with treats. 
I like training retreats. However, you got to understand this, that dogs don't necessarily appreciate volume. What they do appreciate is the act of being treated, rewarded. Good boy, good boy, good girl. And you give them a little something. What I mean by that is if you're using you know, a, a big treat that people use, they'll take an all beef hot dog. Remember, hot dogs are already cooked. When you heat them up, you put them on the grill, you put them in the boiling water, you're just heating them, but they come already cooked. So what you do is I tell people they can do is they can cut up into little slices, then take each slice and they can do it in like quarters or eighths. The bigger the dog, you can do quarters. So if you have a really small dog, cut them into eighths because the smaller the piece, they are going to derive the same satisfaction of a piece that's like this big instead of a piece this big. And the reason for the importance is that if you feed this big, a bigger treat, they're going to get to the point where they don't care about the treats anymore because they're full or they're going to get to the point where you're going to make your dogs obese. So either way, not good. So you always keep them. Another thing to do is when you're treat training, and if you're going to use treat training, which is fine, the more important thing, and this is like helping with operant conditioning, is either to use another type of reward, whether it's a good, good, good pat on the head, clicker training, something, and then the treat. So what happens is they're going to make the association, the good boy, good boy, pat on the head or the, the clicker or whatever it is, whatever you want to use is going to let them know that they're going to get the treat. And they are starting that feeling of satisfaction just from the good boy, good boy, the pat on the head, the clicker, whatever it is. And you can not do the treat. So as you're trying to wean them off the treats and just use the other clues, the other behaviors that makes them feel like they're getting rewarded. So you give a clicker treat, clicker treat, clicker treat, and then you go clicker. No treat. Clicker. No treat. Then the third time, clicker treat. So then you, you keep extending and, and throwing them for a loop. So the point is they never know when the treat's coming. When they hear the clicker, when they get the good boy pat on the head, they get you rub, rub behind the ears, whatever it is, scratching under the chin, then they know that the treat's coming, but then they start guessing. But they're always going to do the behavior, hoping that the treat's going to come. And then you get to the point where you're treating them every 15th time, 20th time, and you're still going to get the behavior. So be really careful with treats. What else? Oh, table scraps. Table scraps. First of all, sometimes they're not safe. We see dogs that eat too many table scraps and they get pancreatitis. Of course, it contributes to obesity. And, but it does. It's teaching them a bad behavior. It's teaching them to sit and beg. When you sit down to the meal, they're going to sit and come over to you and they're going to beg. Then you would try to stop the behavior because you listen to someone like me. And so what happens is you stop the behavior. They're going to beg when a guest comes over and they're going to salivate and drool on their legs. As they put their head, they rest their head on their feet. Okay, okay. And you look up with, with those sad eyes. And of course you give in. So we have to be, again, that is something to be very, very careful. And, and again, the poor nutrition aspect, because what happens is uh, if we don't know how to balance a diet, then we're going to have malnourished pets. And that is very, very dangerous. So again, you want to work with experts. Now, bones. So there are a couple of problems with bones. Number one, if their poultry bones are too soft. So then they can actually crack them. And when they crack them, you have some sharp edges, et cetera. If you do good meat bones, again, even if they're cooked, which is okay, but what happens is there, first of all, bone marrow. Marrow is very fatty. So you want to get, if you're going to do bones, then you got to be careful. Now I've seen, here are some other problems I see with bones. Number one, dog is eating a bone and it gets literally lodged between the molars or premolars at the upper palate, the heart palate, okay? And it gets lodged. It's stuck. These dogs are going crazy. They're rubbing at their mouths. They're trying to get it out. And it's sometimes very hard. They are in there so tightly. So that's a danger. Now, that's if the bone was this way. Can you imagine if that same bone was this way, right? Now, if instead of being across horizontally, it's vertical, it goes straight into the esophagus. And that's a danger. If they are have bones that they're really working on, like my Labrador, he, can, he breaks anything. 
So if he's breaking a bone and breaks and, sh and the, you get sharp pieces and then he swallows one of those sharp pieces, then we're looking at the esophageal tear or an intestinal tear. And those are potentially very dangerous. I mean, could be deadly. So we need to be careful when it comes to that as well. So back to the rawhide. If you are going to feed your dog, well, first of all, no chicken bones, no poultry bones. Get that. Even the duck, anything that's too soft. But if you're going to feed a big, solid beef bone, you got to do it with supervision. And as soon as that dog breaks through it or starts cracking pieces or you see sharp edges, in the garbage it goes. Wait till your next meal when you cut, have another bone and you can try it again. And also, make sure you, you give a dog a size appropriate for the size of your dog. If it's too small, if you look at it and say, God, God, he, he takes gobbles up stuff that's larger than that, then you know that if the bone is that small, potentially he can swallow it whole and choke or it gets caught in his uh, airway, his trachea. It, it's just not worth the aggravation. So be really careful out there. Anyway, so we have time for today. Thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Again, if you want to reach me, you can reach me um, at drjeff at petliferadio.com. Uh, you can call me next week, 877-385-882. You can always follow me on social media, my Instagram, LinkedIn. You can reach me that way. Facebook, you name it, Dr. Jeff Werber, at Dr. Jeff Werber. And um, we'd be happy to talk to you at LinkedIn. It's at Dr. Werber. So um, anyway, um, call me if you need to. And we'll see you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.